I'm Laurie Harp with Harpland and Timber in Linden, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Congress passed what they're calling the Inflation Reduction Act. And there's been a lot of debate over the name of this bill, but one thing is for sure, it contains a lot of money for agriculture conservation. We'll talk more about that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Recent rains around the Texas High Plains have been encouraging. But ranchers are being warned against overreacting. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Japanese consumers are slow to return to the food service sector following COVID. But demand is expected to gain speed to provide expanded U.S. meat access into the Asian country. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is facing a water shortage, and its impact could be disastrous. Those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The name of the bill may be up for debate, but the Inflation Reduction Act does contain big money for conservation programs in agriculture. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. Let me break it specifically down uh, in terms of where that uh, nearly $20 billion is going to go. Uh, First of all, uh, $8.45 billion of increased funding for EQIP. Uh, $3.25 billion of increased funding for the Conservation Stewardship Program. $1.4 billion of increased resources for the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program. $4.95 billion for the Regional Conservation Partnership Program. Uh, Another billion dollars for uh, conservation technical assistance. Uh, $300 million for conservation technical assistance uh, focused on carbon sequestration and additional resources uh, for staffing at at NRCS. All of that totals $19.45 billion. The law also includes funding to help financially distressed farmers and benefits for the biofuels industry. The cotton market is still sorting out USDA's big cut in U.S. cotton production last week, cutting some 3 million bales out of U.S. production and lowering the U.S. carryout to one of the lowest levels ever seen in history. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says it will be interesting to see what next month's report says, because this most recent report only included objective data from South Texas, not the Lubbock area. 
to be fair, they did conduct some surveying of growers, you know, calling up, emailing, that sort of thing. And that would incorporate other parts of the state in West Texas. But still, I mean, it, it, it does suggest to me that there's more coming or worse coming, and they'll have more objective data from either from the crop insurance contracts, acres that get released and after bowl counts later this month, and NAS doing actual objective counting squares and bowls over the whole state. All that is going to feed into the next report. But Robinson says there is a chance it could go the other way. There is a chance USDA overcorrected in this most recent report. Only time will tell when next month's report comes out. Vehicle size and weight requirements are suspended for operators of commercial vehicles to travel in and through Texas to provide disaster assistance. The requirements were first lifted back in March when a disaster declaration was issued and amended in July due to the drought. It covers hauling hay, feed, and water to livestock, allowing for more product to be hauled on each trip, saving fuel and time. The suspension remains in effect until terminated by the governor or until the disaster declaration expires. Recent rains around the Texas High Plains are encouraging, but James Hunt tells us ranchers are being warned against overreacting. Even though our drought continues, there have been a few good rains here and there, enough in fact that some locations have experienced a little forage growth lately. But livestock producers are being advised to not get too enthusiastic about this greening up. Jason Smith, Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist, says full recovery is a long way off. I would just encourage producers to remember that for a lot of our native perennial pastures in the panhandle, the majority of that growing time has come and gone. And so I want to make sure that they have realistic expectations and encourage them not to get too excited just yet. I'd still encourage them to be conservative with their stocking rates and conservative with preserving some of those forages because a lot of the long-term outlooks that I've seen and heard would suggest that we're not expected to completely come out of this drought just yet, even though we have seen some short-term relief. And the reality is that our native perennial pasture forages, they need rest time, okay? They might be able to withstand overgrazing once, as long as we give them that opportunity to recover. But if we don't give them that opportunity to recover, that's when we start to see problems. And so I'd encourage everyone to keep that in the back of their mind and not get too excited and pull the trigger too early on with restocking. Once again, that was Jason Smith, the AgriLife beef cattle specialist for the Texas High Plains. In our next report, we'll talk about a special learning opportunity for area cattle raisers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Japan is a huge customer for U.S. beef and pork. But as Tom Nicoletti reports, COVID restrictions have limited the return of the food service sector there. Japan is one of the United States' strongest trading partners for red meat. U.S. Meat Export Federation President and Chief Executive Officer Dan Hallstrom recently made his first post-COVID trip to Japan 
and offers some observations. On my way in, it was the most emptied I'd seen it ever. I think it'll take a little bit of time for the consumer in Japan to get used to the post-COVID environment because the government definitely does not want to shut down again. They want to keep things open. But the consumers, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to adjust and get used to that. I was a bit surprised that food service hadn't recovered any more than it had. People are fully masked inside and outside. Family-style dining sector, especially the yakiniku sector, is seeing some rebound. But that isn't true for the whole food service sector. While food service is up, it's from a very low base a year ago. So I think there's a lot of upside uh, later in the year for food service. Uh, meanwhile, retail and online e-commerce activity continues to boom. Eventually, Japanese food service demand is expected to grow rapidly, as it has in the United States and other countries, providing expanded opportunity for U.S. red meat and especially for U.S. beef. Meanwhile, Hallstrom explains inflationary pressures are providing opportunity for U.S. pork in the retail sector of Japan. From the standpoint that certain cuts are maybe a little cheaper than beef, uh, and also the fact that poultry prices are so high in Japan, the chicken prices. So I think pork is well positioned in that regard. So there was a bit of optimism at at retail in particular around pork. So uh, that was encouraging. That is Dan Hallstrom with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is facing a water shortage and the impact could be disastrous. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley continues its cotton harvest. We have had some spotty rains along the sea breeze, but really nothing significant. Growers know that by August 15th, tropical rains can really take it on the cotton crop that's already ready to be harvested. Well, the rains have not uh, been making it up into the watershed at all, so Falcon and Omnistad reservoirs continue to fall. Now, Valley cities have started some type of water conservation measures. Truly, I don't know what their thinking is. First, Falcon Reservoir is only at 9% full, and one of the uh, best lakes for small and largemouth bass is drying up. Falcon along the river and, of course, deepening the boats and fishing. The towns along the river depend on that revenue, and it's drying up as fast as the reservoirs. Well, Amistad has dipped now to 31% full, and the need to bring water down to refill Falcon has not happened yet. The reason is that Amistad, a deeper reservoir, evaporation is much less up there than at Falcon. You know, another problem is the Mexican Water Commission that runs the Mexican side of the reservoirs at Amistad and Falcon. You know, they can't agree with the U.S. on the amount of water remaining and who owns what share. Well, it's been up to set allotments, and Mexico is declaring that the U.S. is stealing their water. Well, the Valley may or may not have enough water to finish this year's citrus and sugarcane crops. Also, with fall vegetable planting right around the corner, that could be impacted as well. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Big prizes are up for grabs for Texas dove hunters. Jessica Domel has more on that coming up. Plus, dairy cow rations are believed to contribute to soul ulcers on cow's feet. But is that really true? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Dairy cow rations are believed to contribute to sole ulcers on the cow's feet, but Dr. Bob Judd says that may not be the case. And Dr. Gerard Kramer from the University of Minnesota indicates the ration has been blamed as the cause of sole ulcers for years, and even with all the study on rations, we still have sole ulcers. He indicates at Bovine Veterinarian that ration supplements of zinc and copper do improve hoof durability, but laminitis caused by subacute ruminal acidosis is not a major concern. And that is because most dairies do a good job managing for subacute ruminal acidosis. And we are not really sure that this condition is actually related to lameness in cattle anyway. Dr. Kramer believes this theory of acidosis and lameness came from the horse world. But cows have much less laminitis than horses, as they are less susceptible to acidosis-related lameness. However, there are many other causes of lameness in dairy cattle, along with sole ulcers, including white line lesions, digital dermatitis, foot rot, and toe ulcers. And all of these can be related to the amount of time cows spend standing, the flooring they are standing on, and failure to control digital dermatitis cases. You might think that using sand for bedding on the dairy might be a good idea, but it can contribute to a higher incidence of lameness, especially if used too early in the heifer pen or if it is too coarse and leads to thin soles. Too much standing time on concrete leads to foot problems, and Dr. Kramer indicates that 100% of the cows must have at least 12 hours per day of time during which they are lying down. To prevent lameness, supplement with the correct minerals and use regular hoof trimming. Treat lame cows early and decrease stress on the cow's feet. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Big prizes are up for grabs for Texas dove hunters. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas dove hunters have the opportunity to win a brand new pickup truck, an ATV, exotic hunting opportunities, hunting gear, and other great prizes as part of this year's Banded Bird Challenge. The Banded Bird Challenge is hosted each year by the Texas Dove Hunters Association so they can learn more about the invasive Eurasian collar doves and their habits. After dove season starts September 1st, as hunters bag the collar doves, if they find an orange band, they're encouraged to call it in to the Dove Hunters Association for a chance to win. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, joins us with more on this year's challenge. We have one big change that was made to policy, and that is the entry deadline. We used to be where you could enter so long as you entered before you harvested the bird. That now has changed, and starting last May, we have put it out that we must have everybody entered by the end of the day, August 31st. In other words, you cannot enter once the season has started. We still encourage everyone to 
turn in their bands, even if they had not entered once the season starts, because that's important data for us to collect. They will also still receive a membership as well as a certificate on the history of that bird. If they turn one in and they're not entered, they still will receive a, uh, a membership in Texas Dove Hunters Association. You can enter the Banded Bird Challenge on the Texas Dove Hunters Association website. That is texasdovehunters.com. You can also enter at bandedbirdchallenge.com. Dove hunters must be entered by August 31st to be eligible for a prize. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We wrapped up the trading week with a higher close in the live cattle market, a lower close on feeder cattle. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We wrapped up the trading week with a higher close in the live cattle market, lower close on feeder cattle. August live cattle up 32 cents to end Friday at 141.60. October up 50 cents, 145.25, while December was up 42 at 150.97. Feeder cattle market, however, finishing lower. Probably some pressure coming from the climb we saw in the corn market throughout the week. August feeders down two cents, one eighty one fifty. September feeder cattle down fifty two, one eighty four seventy five. October down ninety cents at one eighty six seventy seven. Cash fed cattle trade strong again this week. We added another two bucks here in the Southern Plains. Live sales mostly at one forty two this week. Up north, dressed cattle sold for mostly two thirty four on the rail. That's four bucks higher than last week's average. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 12 cents, 264.51. Select up 72 at 238.19. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy selling, it's time to head down to Caldwell or up to Caldwell, depending on where you're listening to us from, to talk to Carl Herman. Carl, how was your Wednesday sale? You know, we had a good sale yesterday. Had over a thousand head uh, on a steady calf market and cow market for 127 sellers and 40 buyers. Uh, we had 150 cows and bulls yesterday. Slaughter slaughter cows 30 to 90. Slaughter bulls 75 to 101. Stalker cows 800 to 1100. And pairs nine and a quarter to 1250. On the calf side, on the steers, two to three weight steers brought 171 to 217. Three to four weights 178 to 217. Four to five weight steers 162 to 205. Five to six weights, 155 to 179. Six to seven weight steers brought 140 to 160. Seven to eight weights, 135 to 151. On the heifers, two to three weight heifers, 130 to 190. Three to four weight heifers, 150 to 203. Four to five weights, 146 to 171. 
Five to six white heifers, 143 to 176. Six to seven white heifers brought 135 to 158. And the seven to eight weights, 121 to 135. Overall, had a good day, a uh, lot of good cattle, and uh, we look forward to next week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the born, 567-4119. For any Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Carl Herman, we appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Larry. Texas neighbors, we appreciate you, too. I'm Larry Marble. He was Carl Herman. This is Walking the Pins. Thanks so much for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close lower on Friday, October down 17 cents, 93.12. December hogs down a dollar two, 84.15. Class three milk was lower. August milk down a penny at 2007, 100 weight. September milk down 55, 1971, 100. The cotton market bounced back after a couple of days of losses. Big swings in the market following that USDA report that cut cotton production by 3 million bales. Strengthen the outside markets and news of an ongoing drought in China, both putting support underneath the cotton market on Friday. We closed higher with October up 263 points, 119.75. December cotton up 331 points. 11601. We've seen a slow climb in the corn market throughout the week. September corn up another six and a quarter on Friday, 626 a bushel. December corn up seven and a half at 623 and a quarter. The wheat market bounced back on Friday after closing lower throughout most of the week. September Kansas City wheat up 32 and a quarter, 844 and three quarters. New crop July up 25. At 840 a bushel. Same thing on the soft wheat market. September Chicago wheat up 21 and three quarters, 753 and a quarter. New crop July up 19 cents at 797 and three quarters. In the energy market, September natural gas up nine cents at 928. September crude oil down 48 cents, 902 a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down 292 points at 33,706. The Nasdaq down 260 at 12,705. The S&P down 55 at 4,228. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.